Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good to see you all this week. Let's open with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for um, church. We thank you for fellow believers, God. But more than anything, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, God, uh, that you love us so much that you would lay down your life for us, God. I pray, God, that we would look to Jesus at all times. Uh, and right now, as we're learning, that we would look to Jesus and who He is to us and what He's done for us and what He is doing. And God, I pray that we would think about how we respond to that, how we live in light of that good news, that You love us and that You've made a way for us where there was no way before, God. I pray that You would speak through me. I pray that Your Holy Spirit uh, would guide me in teaching and preaching, but also um, everybody here, uh, that your Holy Spirit would guide in understanding. Um, and I pray, God, that um, the way to Christ will be pointed clearly. And, God, I pray that we will all remember that our role is very simple, and that's to point to Jesus by our words and our actions. We love you, God, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is the fourth week of our series about callings. And today we're going to be talking about Jonah. Well, in college, I think it was my freshman year of college. Now, during chapel, they told us that they were going to have some mission trips available that we could go on through the college at ETBU. And there were a couple options. There was beach reach. Basically, you go to the beach... That sounds fun, but then you spend all night picking up people who are drunk and helping them get back to their hotel. That didn't sound as fun. So the other option was Chicago. Now that sounded fun. I think I'll take that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for the Chicago mission trip. And so sure enough, I did, and I went with a lot of my friends, and I had a lot of expectations for what we were going to do in Chicago. I had visions of uh, all the lives that would be changed by us, all the good work that we would do. Um, when we got there, there was actually a lot of work to do. Um, there was a lot of cleaning to do, where there was picking up trash. There was a lot of food to serve, a lot of food preparation for homeless ministries. Uh, there was a lot of research to help with for churches that were looking for help with research um, in their area in Illinois. And I don't know if I really realized while I was there that I was thinking this, but when I got home, I realized, wow, every day of that mission trip, I usually spent the work thinking, man, I can't wait to be done. Man, I can't wait to go to Giordano's tonight and get a big Chicago deep dish pizza. Man, I can't wait to be done with this and go see the Blue Man Group with all my friends. Man, I can't wait to go look at Wrigley Field and go look at Soldier Field and walk around, see all the cool sights of Chicago. And it wasn't until I got home that I realized, wow, did I really come for the mission trip or did I, did I just come for Chicago? In other words, did I come on mission, or did I come for a vacation? 
And a lot of times we can treat our callings that way too. We can say, well, God has called me to go, but I pick the destination. I pick where we're going, God. Yeah, I'll go, but we're going to Chicago, God. Well, that's essentially what I did. And sometimes we ask, what am I called to? But the book of Jonah tells us to ask, where am I called to? Who am I called to? So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going to Chicago. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with making your own decisions. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that sometimes we try to fashion our callings into what looks glamorous and what looks fun. And really, that is not the point of callings. But people are the point of callings. Well, let's look at our text for today. It's in Jonah chapter 4. And so since we're in the very last chapter of the book of Jonah, I should give you some background about what's happened up to this point. Well, Jonah is just at home minding his own business when God says, Jonah, get up and go and speak to the people of Nineveh. The evil that they have done, I've heard it, I've seen it, so go call out against them. Jonah says, okay, I'm on my way. No, Jonah doesn't say that. Jonah runs away. So Nineveh's, I guess from your direction, over here. Jonah's here. Jonah runs this way. Jonah runs to Joppa, which is a little seaport by the Great Sea. And he finds a boat of people going to Tarshish. And so when Jonah is on that boat, God sends a raging storm. And so the people say, wow, get up, Jonah, because he's in the bottom of the boat. And they say, get up, see if you can help us any way to survive this storm. And so eventually they cast lots um, to see who caused the storm. And they find out that it's Jonah. So Jonah says, just throw me over. It's my fault that you're in this position. So they throw Jonah over and then... Jonah doesn't die because God sends a big fish that picks up Jonah. Jonah's in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. Then he comes back out onto land. And so again, God calls Jonah a second time. Go to Nineveh. Call out against them. I've seen what they've done. I need you or I want you to go to Nineveh. So Jonah says, okay, I'll go to Nineveh. So begrudgingly, he goes out to Nineveh. When he gets there, he says, 40 days in Nineveh will be overturned. Shortest sermon ever. Much shorter than I've ever preached a sermon. But very effective sermon because what happens? The people of Nineveh say, oh no, we need to fast. We need to wear sackcloth. We need to mourn. And even the king commands people to fast and wear sackcloth and mourn. And so ultimately... They repent. They turn away from what they've been doing. They say, maybe God will have mercy on us if we turn away from what we're doing. And so in verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So that leads us to 
our passage for today. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. <coughs> and should not I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle, and that's the end. That's the end of the book of Jonah. It ends on a question. We don't see Jonah's response. We don't see how Jonah answered. All we hear is God making a case for his grace, love, and mercy. First thing that I think we see in, in our passage for the day is that God doesn't call us to Tarshish. God calls us to Nineveh. In his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant, Eugene Peterson, and this was a life-changing book for me when I read it. It's basically a whole book about Jonah. And Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, he tries to explain, why did Jonah want to go to Tarshish in the first place? I mean, couldn't he have just stayed home? Why did he want to go off to Tarshish? Well, he says in this book, for one thing, it is a lot more exciting than Nineveh. Nineveh was an ancient site with layer after layer of ruined and unhappy history. Going to Nineveh to preach was not a coveted assignment for a Hebrew prophet with good references, but Tarshish was something else. Tarshish was exotic. Tarshish was adventure. Tarshish had the appeal of the unknown furnished with Baroque details from the fantasizing imagination. Tarshish in the biblical reference, was a far-off and sometimes idealized port. 
It is reported in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 22, that Solomon's fleet of Tarshish fetched gold, silver, ivory, monkeys, and peacocks. Semiticist C.H. Gordon says that in the popular imagination, Tarshish became a distant paradise. And that resonates with me because Chicago kind of seemed the same way. Chicago was kind of a Tarshish for me. I can run away to Tarshish. That's a cool place to go. That's a distant paradise. But Eugene Peterson also says Tarshish is a lie. Well, what does that mean? Tarshish isn't a lie. Isn't it a spot on a map? Isn't it a geographical location? Weren't there other mariners taking a boat to Tarshish? How is Tarshish a lie? Well, Tarshish, figuratively speaking, is when we go after some place that we think is glamorous. Maybe we feel like I'm called to do something and it's all going to go perfect. I'm not going to run into any challenges. But no, that never ends up happening. When I got to Chicago, I realized, that no, I'm not just going to a place. I'm going to people. And Jonah wasn't just called to a place. He was called to people. And that's at the heart of our callings. Whatever you're called to, you are called to people. You will never be called to an empty room. You will always be called to people, whether you want to be around them or whether you don't want to be around them, like Jonah and the Ninevites. Ultimately, people are at the root of who and where we are called to. Now, in this instance, Jonah was called to a specific place. You may not be called to a specific place, but it wasn't about the place. It was about the people, and the people there are why Jonah didn't want to go. But Jonah had to realize Tarshish is a lie. There's no glamorous calling. You know, callings include a lot of bathroom cleanings. Callings include a lot of food preparing. Callings include a lot of difficult people. And we like to romanticize callings and how we will uh, be impacted by our callings and how we will impact by our callings. But the reality is Nineveh and Tarshish is a lie. There's a lot of people who have left good callings, good ministries to find a more glamorous run only to find out that Tarshish doesn't exist. Only Nineveh exists. Well, okay. So I see why Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish, but I don't see why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, what's, what's so wrong with Nineveh? And this week, as I was looking over this text, that's what I kept asking myself. Because the text doesn't say anything about Nineveh other than they've done evil and God wants Jonah to come and address it. Well, I mean, everybody does some evil things. What, what did Nineveh do that was so bad? And, and even if they did something so bad, why is Jonah so, not just hesitant, but just flat out refuses to go to Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. So there was the Assyrian Empire, and if you're looking at Israel, up to the north, their neighbors were the Assyrians, and Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrians. Well, uh, from looking at a lot of different commentaries, because I was trying to find out, why is Jonah so mad at these people? Well, I found there's a lot of horrible things that they did, but one commentary I came across um, 
made me kind of agree with Jonah, made me kind of mad at Nineveh and the Assyrians. It said uh, the Assyrians had, they liked to brag. They liked to brag about their torture practices on the people that they would capture. And even the com- commentary said, warning, rated R before you go and read what they did. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's funny. But no, it really was rated R. There are some pretty horrifying things that they did to torture people that they captured. So if you're living in Israel and that's your neighbor up north, I don't think I'd want to go there either. So no wonder Jonah runs away. I mean, this is what he risked by going to Nineveh. But God doesn't say, go to Tarshish. That's, they've got a beach. He says, go to Nineveh. And of course, even when he gets there, he's furious at these people. They don't deserve God's grace. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Now, Jonah understands callings. He understands, I mean, we know that he understands callings because we know that he heard God's call. We know that he's resisting it, but he doesn't understand the point of callings. And the point of callings, like I said, (laughs) is people. And the second thing we see in this text, especially in verses 5 through 11, is that God calls us to people because he loves people. So Jonah, it's not that Jonah didn't love anybody. Jonah loved Israel. Jonah loved his neighbors. Jonah loved the people that he grew up with. Jonah didn't have any problem being a prophet to Israel, but he did have a problem being a prophet to Nineveh, to the Assyrians. But God calls us past the people that we're comfortable with. God calls us beyond just our family. You know, God does call us to our family, but he calls us to more than that. He calls us beyond our hometown, beyond our home state, beyond our land, beyond the people that we know, beyond the people that we grew up with. He calls us to places that we don't know. He calls us to people that we don't know. I mean, Jesus even said this. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to his disciples, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? So you see, the same God that is calling Jonah to love more than just his own people, we even see him as Jesus calling his disciples to love more than just his own people, to greet more than just their own people. Because they think it's just about me and it's just about my family. But God says, no, it's not. Because I don't just love you and your family. I love everyone. And Jonah was having a very hard time seeing people the way that God sees people. And so in our passage, God makes a plant to cover up Jonah because Jonah's so mad that the people actually repented, that they actually turned around. And he says, God says, what do you have to be angry about? Basically, how is you being angry going to help anything at all? And Jonah says, he doesn't even say anything. He just leaves the conversation. He leaves the city. He goes up and he kind of makes his own little booth on the east side of the city. He kind of makes his own little like mini movie theater. Why? Because, hey, maybe I still will get to see Nineveh get destroyed after all. And he sits there 
Sure enough, Nineveh is not destroyed. Jonah's so angry. So to comfort Jonah, God causes a plant to grow to give him shade. And night comes and Jonah is feeling good again. Jonah's comfortable again. But then when the morning comes, God sends a worm to destroy the plant that's been comforting Jonah. Then God sends a scorching east wind to make Jonah hot and miserable, even to the point of wanting to die, even to the point of being suicidal. And so God says, do you do well to be angry about this plant being gone? And Jonah says, yeah, angry enough to die. And God says, you care that much to the point of wanting to die about a plant that you've known for one night and that you didn't even make and yet you don't want me to care about these people that I've labored over, that I've thought of, that I created, that I made? What's happening here? Jonah doesn't love these people nearly as much as God loves these people. Jonah loves his plant more than people. Jonah, a prophet of God, a prophet of Israel, cares more about his own comfort than actual living people. And so Jonah is having to learn that God cares about people more than plants. I remember in uh, seminary not long ago, um, I really was not living a healthy lifestyle at all. And I would hear other Christians say, well, you need to live a healthy lifestyle because God cares about us. He cares and he wants what's best for us. And I would say, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. I'm just going to keep eating whatever I want. You know, you can try to use the Bible to like manipulate me to going on a diet, but I'm not going to fall for it. But I remember one time a pastor of mine, he asked me to take care of his place while him and his wife were gone. And part of his instructions were, hey, uh, when you get there every morning and let the dogs out, can you please water the plants in the morning? So I thought, sure, that's easy. So every morning I would go out and I would water the plants. It was pretty fun. But one morning, sometimes you just, you picture something. I don't want to call it a vision, but I just kind of imagine myself taking like a big gallon of Coke and just pouring it into the plant. And I was like, well, what if I just got like a big bucket of grease and just poured it into the plant? And I thought, no, I would never do that. I want the plant to grow. I want the plant to be healthy. I'm just going to give it water. And I felt at that moment like God was saying to me, why are you taking better care of a plant than yourself? Why do you love this plant more than you love yourself? You must because you're not taking care of yourself. And I love you so much more than this plant. And it took that moment for me to see that, wow, I really do need to change because God cares about me. So I should care about me. And that's what's happening with Jonah in this plant. God is showing Jonah that you are called to people because I love people. Yes, plants are good. And yes, big fish that get you over where you need to go are good, but big fish and plants are not the point of the book of Jonah. The point of the book of Jonah is real people that God really, truly loves. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, he says, but, be, but because of God's great love for us, so basically because of God's great love for people, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And can't Jonah say that? I mean, he was thrown out into the ocean, sunk down to the bottom to die, but then God saved him. And Jonah, what did he do? Well, in chapter 2, Jonah sings a a song to God about how glad he is that God saved him. Jonah's perfectly happy being saved, but he's not happy with other people being saved. And Jonah needed saving. And the Ninevites needed saving. They both needed help. They both needed to turn around. Jonah actually literally did need to turn around because he was going in the wrong direction. And God called Jonah to call the people of Nineveh to turn around from the way that they were living. And so God loves not just Jonah, not just Israel, but everybody, the entire world that he created because he created everyone. Well, Jonah was baffled and angry at God because God's love was greater than Jonah could even comprehend. And it frustrated Jonah. It made Jonah mad. He was mad at God's grace. How could you do this? How could you save these people? I've been waiting so long for them to be destroyed, for them to be punished. And you're just going to forgive them? God, you're just going to have mercy on them? Well, sure, there are consequences to the things that, they, that we do, but ultimately, God saved them from destruction because he wanted, because Jonah's idea of fixing things was just to wipe them out. But God's idea of fixing things was much deeper than that. It was life change. And what did God say to Jonah? He said, there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left. But many years later, somebody else would say almost the exact same thing. Jesus, on the cross, prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Basically, Father, forgive them, for they do not know their right hand from their left. When we realize that we are called to people, we can only realize that when we realize that Jesus was called to people. Because the disciples didn't get that. Jesus is called to sit on a throne, right? So we can just skip the people part and get to the throne. But Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. You see, if it's just about people, then we're going to grow resentful of people like Jonah. But if it's about God, if it's about what Jesus says for people, if it's about how much God loves people, and if we can see ourselves not as Israelites, not as Jonah, but as Ninevites, people who need saving because we were the Ninevites when Jesus came down and went to the cross. And we were hopeless without the real, true, and great Jonah Coming down. What did Jesus say even before he died on the cross? He said, something greater than Jonah 
is here. Yes, the story of Jonah is great, but we have something greater than Jonah. Someone who doesn't just come down, give us a message, and hope that we don't accept it, but someone who comes down and lays down his own life for us so that we can not just change our behavior, but know that we are loved. Because Jonah, even though he said in chapter 4, I knew you were gracious, I knew you were forgiving, I knew you were merciful, he failed to mention that to the mariners on the boat who said, maybe God will relent and save us. Well, the Ninevites, they said, maybe God will relent and save us, but Jonah failed to mention that. But Jesus does not fail to mention that to us. Jesus makes it clear that he loves us because Jesus was called to people, even people like us. We can be called to people. We can go to Nineveh, but not alone with Jesus because Jesus went to Nineveh because Jesus came into our very lives even though we were Nineveh, not Tarshish, we were Nineveh, we can go to other people knowing that, yes, it's not glamorous, it's not always fun, but it's real people that God loves. And I don't have to guess or wonder if God loves them. I can know that he loves them because he didn't pay for them with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if that's how much people mean to God, then our callings can be deeper than just ourselves or our comfort or our vacation plans or our big plants that give us comfort. It's not that vacations are bad. It's not that comfort is bad. But when we look at callings, we have to see that they involve people. They involve work and they involve love. And if Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, then we can say, I, as a little Christ, I, as a Jesus disciple, am going not in my own power, but with the authority of Jesus. Because just like Jonah, God has sent us out into the world to point to Jesus, to point to hope, to point to the resurrection, to point to the new life, the real true life that God has for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for calling us, for giving us callings. And God, our callings are messy, God, but sometimes we look at the mess and say, I don't want to go. I don't want to be a part of the mess. But God, you say the mess is a chance to be creative. The mess is a chance to join in on what I'm doing to fix the mess, to heal, and to help. So God, I pray that we wouldn't run away from the mess to Tarshish, but that we would follow your calling to Nineveh because we know that Jesus followed your calling to the cross. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.